Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Well, it's grand final week, the Friday before the big one, and this is the grand final edition of Jack and Payne, of course, with me, Jack Revolt. And back in the hot seat down there in Hobart, Australian Test Cricket Captain Tim Payne. We are brought to you thanks to Harrison Agents selling your home. Contact Harrison Agents today. Payne, welcome back. Great to be back. Uh, quite weak last week. Um, very thankful for Flash's work filling in. He's he's a bit reluctant to get back out of the seat, but I'm certainly happy to be back and looking forward to a big show. Well, I wanted to raise that straight off the bat. Uh, David Flash Lithgow uh, texts me at uh, or this Tuesday, 2:43 p.m. and quote, he said, "Jumping Jack Flash is back." He was so confident, Payne, that you were not <laughs> going to get up for the Fridays uh, Fridays uh, recording of. Obviously, this show here, and he was so confident that he got in. But, mate, you're here, you're joining us, and we will be joined later by Flash, a very flat Flash Lithgow. Looking forward to it. He is flat. He is very flat. But, um, no, look, I was struggling. I'm not going to lie, early in the week, I thought it was going to be a battle. But as I said to you guys yesterday, I, uh, the old Nan Shaw gave me a recipe a bit of uh, ginger, lemon, and honey. Ginger, lemon, and, and the honey. throat is back. Back and Yeah, back I, I think going. a few people are a bit upset that I'm back talking, particularly around <laughs> Cricket Tasmania. But um, but anyway, it is what it is. I'm looking forward to, as I said, this show and then the grand final um, over in Perth tomorrow. But speaking of, Jack, obviously you're an expert in grand final week. Do you want to take us just inside? I know it's slightly different now with hubs. Um, it's obviously in Perth. But do you want to take us through, firstly, that sort of Melbourne iconic week uh, that a grand final play, player goes through and then maybe what it's like now in COVID times and, and with the interstate grand final. Well, they are both very, very different, Payne. And, of course, Melbourne grand final week, uh, we have um, we have the uh, well, we have the parade and we have the training and we have everything that goes on with that. And it's um, it really is, Payne, the best week of, uh, of, of your life, really. Maybe kids and, and wedding aside if you've got them, but... Uh, the whole week's yep. great. The weather's starting to turn here in Melbourne. And, um, I mean, the, the thing that we always focused on was trying to enjoy it. So enjoying the grand final parade, really celebrating that, because it is a celebration the whole week. Of, and, the, and the game caps that off at the end. But um, I, yep. I think for us, we, we really enjoyed it. And then the, the COVID year last year was, was really different because it really had no sort of fanfare that came with it or anything like that. It was just trainers normal in front of nobody. And roll up the night before we stayed in the accommodation and then got out to the game. It's a bit of a different start as well with the, with the latest start up there in the night grand final. So um, a lot of time trying to figure out what you're going to do to fill your day when you're in a... We, we stayed in the Gold Coast last year and then obviously the grand finals in Brisbane. So we were in hotel rooms and yeah. just, just potted around for the day. and just chilling. Uh, just chilling and then, yeah, rolled up to the big one. But it, it, it is a big week. It's been a big week. Um, well, it's been a big two weeks since the last time these two teams played. So no doubt they've played the game in their heads certainly over the, over the last sort of 14 days. 
do you do you feel a little bit for um, for the Melbourne players? Obviously, some of the eleven or twelve of the Bulldogs players have experienced Melbourne Grand Final weeks. Do you feel a bit for the Demons? It's been a long time between drinks, um, you know, for, between playing in Grand Finals for them and now to miss out on on all the Melbourne things, all the parade, the fanfare that they would get in their home city. Yeah, I do. I feel for, I feel, oh, I feel for the players, but certainly I feel for the fans as well. I mean, even the fans of the Bulldogs, yep. they, they waited so long into 2016 to, to get that um, chance to watch their team in a, in a grand final and then win a grand final. That um, I mean, and they would love that again, but the, the Demons fans, 21 years since they played in a grand final and 57-year yep. premiership drought. So a couple of big, big droughts there. Um, that would have It would have been an amazing week. It's... Um, it's been a great week here in terms of weather-wise. We've been able to have some sort of sunny conditions, so the parade would would, would have been fantastic today. Um, even the the last training sessions that fans would have got to have seen today and, and go to. It's um, it's really unfortunate, but we are very lucky that we are going to have a grand final in front of a bumper crowd, sixty thousand people at, at, at Optus Stadium that are all going to rock up there. It was a sellout, painy in I think yep. just over maybe nine seconds. Oh, I, I think yeah, it no was surprises. an absolute sellout there. They could have sold the grand final three times, which. I mean, just shows how how big football is over in the West, and it's certainly going to be a bumper of a game. It certainly is. It's a hell of a stadium, too. Let's be honest. You've played many games there. Played, played a few games there. A couple there. of test been, matches there. Yeah, been lucky to play um, played uh, Dreamtime at the G. Well, not at the G, but Dreamtime yep. at Optus this year, which was huge. We had something like fifty thousand fans over there for that. So. I know what it's going to be like in terms of the, the, the lights and just everything they can bring there is, is just going to be huge. So um, certainly yeah. the spectacle of the grand final will not be dampened by the fact that it's not being played at the MCG. And uh, it is going to be, as I said, it's going to be a, a great, great game. So not only the not the only football news, though, this week, Payne, uh bubbling around. The Carlton coaching job uh, bobbed up yesterday. Uh, and it, came, yep. it was basically down to Michael Voss and, and Adam Kingsley. Michael Voss... Is the man there? Three-year contract at the Carlton Football Club. Uh, what are your thoughts from from watching that as an outsider? No, I love it. I've obviously been a bit critical of Carlton Jack this year in the way they've handled it, but I think the way they've landed on Michael Voss from all reports today, the the process they went through. Even Voss said himself he was tested at times and was extremely thorough. Um, I actually listened to him and and Brian Cook talk today, and um, the two things they spoke about was having a number of leaders at their club and great people. Um, and I think anyone you speak to that I've certainly spoken to in football talks about Michael Voss. He's, he's exactly that. He's a great leader. Uh, he's a great person. And I think Brian Cook coming in as the CEO as well is another terrific decision for a club that everyone knows I think has got so much potential, but for the last, I don't know, 15 years haven't been able to reach it. So I think with those two people in key key positions, I think Carlton Footy Club are about to come in a big way. We know their list is fairly talented. They just need to get the right people uh, in the right places. So I give both of those appointments a huge tick. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I think Michael Voss has um, certainly plied his trade. I, I like that a coach that maybe didn't get his opportunity, uh, or had an opportunity, sorry, um, at, yep. at, at Brisbane and, and maybe on that reused pile, and, and we've sort of seen those coaches maybe drift off into the into the distance, but he's he's gone back, plied his trade again as an assistant coach, coached at a different club um, in in Port Adelaide, and he gets his chance. I, I do feel for for a good friend of mine and a coach at Richmond, Adam Kingsley, who was probably finished second in both jobs, yeah, the the yeah. Collingwood uh, coaching job, which Craig McRae got, and of course this one here with Michael Voss getting the job at Carlton. I think Kingsley might have been the next in line. So unfortunately for him, he doesn't get the opportunity to coach at senior level this year, but no doubt. 
a job will cop, uh, crop up for him. Has he been there a few times now? He, he gets, so. seems to get to the podium a lot, Adam Kingsley, and yeah. hasn't quite got over the line. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And I think it'll just come down to a club that sees him as, as the right fit in terms of what, where he's been. He's, he's obviously played at Port Adelaide, uh, coached at St Kilda, now coached at Richmond. So yeah. I, I think he's built now a dossier just to say, I've seen it all and I've seen a good side. I've seen a side that's coming up. Um, I've been involved in premierships as a player and as a coach that... When the right thing, when the right team crops up for him in the right list, he he will get that job. So, um, I yep. mean, coming second in two races, right? we say coming second, but he's um, just missed out on, on both of those gigs. That he will be, um, he'll be a very good senior coach going forward when when his uh, when his chance crops up. But one man that yep. Carlton were really pursuing, Payne, is Alastair Clarkson, and you've been able to pull some strings and and wangle yep. it. And we have got an interview with the Hawthorne. Great, the coach, the four-time premiership coach, obviously coached a lot of football in Tasmania, and it is yep. very exciting because a, a lot of people will, will think that we're going to ask him. Well, we, we doesn't know this yet, but a lot of people think they're going to ask him about what it was like at Hawthorne and and whatnot and everything goes. But we are going to really drill down on Tasmanian football because he has, if by 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 play really, he has had a massive impact on Tasmanian football with the Hawthorne Football Club that have been down there for a long time now. So it's going to be very exciting. 17 years, Hawthorne Footy Club. 17 and Alistair Clarkson years. have come. So. And as we've heard this week, he's thrown his support behind Tasmanian getting a 19th licence, which is awesome. I'm a little bit nervous, Jack, to be honest. He comes with a bit of an aura around him, Clarko, doesn't he? So, no, um, no. Can't no. wait to talk to him, but I'll, I'll leave the hard questions he's to you. A, he's a little puppy dog. He's a little puppy dog. So we will <laughs> fire some curly questions at Alistair Clarkson involving Tasmanian we football. Will. We're also very, very lucky on the morning before a grand final to be joined by Ben Brown, obviously a product of Tasmania. Applied his trade at North Melbourne for a few years and then was seemingly on, I won't say the scrap heap, but seemingly found himself outside of the the North Melbourne Football Club, thrown a lifeline by Melbourne and now finds himself uh, as a spearhead forward in a grand final. Who would have thought 12 months on? Uh, from sliding door moments. It is a big, big sliding door moments. And, well, we couldn't get rid of him. Well, fully, we couldn't get rid of him. He, he did throw his hand up to uh, come in a medical sub again this week. But, of course, we will be joined by David Flash Lithgow for a very, very in-depth grand final preview. He's been doing a lot of work, hasn't he? Oh, he has. He has. He's. I've had some uh, complaints, actually, from Harrison Real Estate Agents that he hasn't been working all that hard this week. So we're hoping that his grand final wrap is worth it because it's going to have to be if he hasn't got a job next week. So Sorry, Harrison. We're looking filthy. forward to that from the big flash man. But before we do move on, Jack, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions right. around uh, the Brownlow medal. Yep. So Ollie Wines has obviously won it. Yep. I, I sat there and watched it, and I, it's just is it not getting beyond a joke how many votes the midfielders are getting? It's it, it's like you don't even need the count. I, I, my, so my questions are: <sighs> yeah. is it is it becoming too much of a midfielders' medal? I know it's been a discussion for a while. And the other one: where do you sit with the umpires voting on it? Because uh, I feel like we're not getting, not yeah. taking anything yeah. away from Ollie Wines. He's had an yeah. unbelievable year, right but Great it was year. just three Great votes Wines, three yep. votes Bond and Pelly. Yep. Well, so the way it, I look at it, it's getting a bit boring. Top thirty. The top 30 were midfielders. Yep. So a big class Max Gorn as a midfielder. He's obviously very tall and has a beard and is always in front of the umpires. So he um, he stands out a little bit. He's a midfielder. Um, I, look, even to be honest, all the awards, the Jim Steins Award, what a fantastic award won by a midfielder, Travis Boke. Yep. Um, I, of course, was absolutely robbed. Oh, my Could God. Could not be more robbed by a midfielder, Shea Bolton, who comes in and takes <sighs> mark of the year. There, Well, yep. there isn't... 
it really anything that anyone else wins. The backs don't win no. or win anything. Um, and the Coleman's still there, but no doubt Danger or someone or Dusty will crop up next year and kick an absolute bag and take the Coleman medal. It, it is a midfielder's game. There is no awards yeah. for anyone else. And, and the other thing is, when naming the All-Australian team, don't worry about it. if you play wing. Oh. Oh, look, the wings can be classed as, as they're classed as a second-rate citizens like we are. Um, oh. Forwards and backs. The wings are classed as second-rate citizens because there is no role for for anyone in the All Australian. It'll be an All Australian twenty or twenty-three next year or twenty-two, whatever yep. it is, and they will be all midfielders. So, yep. Whoever uh, touches the footy most gets the Brownlow, yep. and in the All Australian team, they'll get the Norm Smith. Yep. At some stage, they'll try and take over the Coleman, I'm yep. sure. But yep. I'm uh, just getting extremely frustrated with the Brownlow that you're seeing people like a, a key forward or a key back that are dominating a game and impacting a game more than a guy who's getting 25, 35 touches and kicking a goal. Yep. And Sam, they're getting no votes, yeah, not Sam, one. Sam Taylor probably had arguably the best game from a back this year. Uh, yeah. Zero votes. Zero votes in the yep. Brownlow medal. In terms of the umpires voting on it, I think there is... Maybe in addition for a like cricket, I suppose a, a match referee to be involved with. Yep. Well, you um, obviously can't say it, but it's time for the umpires to go. Let's hand the voting over. I'll say it for you. Yeah, we need to bring in a panel who can vote on it. Yep, I think. Yeah, well, okay. it's not that hard. You can, you can be that mouthpiece, and I'll, I right. I, I'm, I'm umpires not, scrapped. I'll write that down. We'll I'm, run that by Clarko later. I am not. Sure we will agree. run that by Clarko later. Painey, well, we've we've flagged Clarko. But we've also got another massive, massive guest to be involved in the show. And he's up next. He's SEN's chief sports caller, Jared Waitley. We might be able to fly the umpires voting on the Brownlow past him. This is Jack and Paney on SEN. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Paney with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to Jack and Painey. Thanks to Harrison Agents, Tasmania's real estate expert. Painey, I am a little bit nervous at the moment. I'm sitting in a studio with footballing calling royalty. He is the top dog here at SEN and will be calling the AFL Grand Final live on SEN and through the SEN app all around Australia. Jared Waitley, welcome to Jack and Painey. Yes, Jack, Tim, thank you for having me. I must say, when you started your show, I thought, I'm going <laughs> to dip in and out of this because I'm really curious, but it has been compulsory listening every week. I can't believe how good a start you've had with guests and issues. So I'm a long-time listener, first-time guest. <laughs> first-time guest. First. Well, Jared, we've, we've, we've gone through our black book and we've We've got down to W for Waitley, so we're nearly at the end in terms of the play. <laughs> no, I, can I, just as a point of order, am I the first non-Tasmanian to be invited on? Uh, we spoke to Troy Chaplin a few mm. weeks ago and spoke about Melbourne, but we, we'll claim you. Yeah, you, you can come on. Yeah, well, you're nearly a Tasmanian. You go live into Tasmania, mate. So this is a bit of a flip for us because you love your cricket and yeah. love your footy, and this is the first time that we're actually going to get to ask you what uh, what it's like um, to to be behind the microphone to watch the way we go about things and get your opinion on all things footy and cricket. I go want on. to start off with this. I've season. got a few few different ones for him as well, oh, Jack. Few, when we get through the grand final of, stuff, left of centre. How, how, yep. how have you seen this season play out? It's certainly been well, none. There's, there hasn't ever been a season like it. No, it's been a remarkable season for the storylines that have been at play and then for the COVID complications, which were, as you lived, even more so than last year. So to have both of those streams going, 
the the big key clubs, the drivers of conversation were all in the news early. Um, Carlton not being where they needed to be. Collingwood had lived ferociously through the off-season and it was immediately obvious that things on-field were going to reflect how it had been off-field. And then the game was better. I think the footy was certainly better to call. And all the way through to you've got this sort of romantic grand final of two of the downtrodden historically against each other. And it's in Perth. So... Yeah, you couldn't... The best part of live sport is you can't script it. You you could not have had a vague stab at the start of the year and gone, this is all that will transpire to, to deliver you a season. Yeah, Jared. firstly, I'll say as well, thank you very much for coming on. It is a thrill for Jack and I to have you on. Uh, having gone through all of those, what is what do you think has been the biggest news story of the AFL season? So Nathan Buckley's departure at Collingwood, I think, was the biggest because yep. for everything that happened, um, runner-up, Narrowly beaten in the grand final, hot favourites in a prelim, heroic elimination final victory, total collapse. So the, the three years leads you to that, the, the dumping of players in, in the worst salary cap blunder we've seen in many a year. Uh, the confluence of events at Collingwood, I could, I could make a case to you that that six months is the worst six months in the history of the biggest club in the land, and it ended up costing them their favourite son in Nathan Buckley, who was every every inch of Collingwood. And by the middle of the year, they decided that they were going to sack him. And while there was no acrimony in it, uh, it was still a... They were jettisoning the figure who has probably been the most dominant for the supporter base for 30 years. Do you, do yep. you ever, um, well, factor that in? Like, do you sort of wake up in the morning and look at the news and go, oh, great, we're going to have so many callers on today talking about... Well, let's talk about the two. Carlton and Collingwood have probably the coaching, or the way they've gone about their coaching and hiring their coaches and the way they've sort of just fallen off the face of the earth, really. Do you think, oh, this is going to be great fodder for today? Or are you a bit like, why are you doing it? (laughs) That's a really good question. There's There's a conflict within it is... You know, say you're watching the footy on the Sunday and you know, oh, so that's it. That's Monday. If you wanted to, you could take three hours of calls on that, having just watched the last 20 minutes of footy. Um, And there is a bit of a ghoulish fascination in that, is how how combustible the people are going to be. I'm not quite in it for that, although it's definitely part of the discipline and it's part of the the genre. I'm I'm not a sack the coach guy and never will be. And there's enough shrill voices who are. And I think there's a macabre part to that. There's a death riding that goes on sometimes around coaches, which I can't quite, I find, I find challenging and I don't overly like um, running the circus around it as just person after person after person calls for, for a head. So I find I do find that part a little bit challenging. Whilst knowing watching it, you go, "Oh my God, that's Monday." <laughs> yeah, I can't agree more with that. And we actually touched on a little bit in our uh, opener that, that I think that's the great thing why the Michael Voss appointment's great because for so long, Jared one, they people are way too quick to so, catch uh, sorry sack coaches, and then they don't they just go on the scrap heap and don't yeah. get a second opportunity. So to have someone as legendary as Michael Voss and now potentially Nathan Buckley down the track to be able to see a way back in, I think's fantastic. Um, what about if that's your, your storylines for the season, what do you think the big storylines are coming into this week's game? So it's Melbourne's 57-year drought and the Bulldogs on this almost spiritual odyssey around the country. The, the two storylines couldn't be more compelling. I think we are... 
the, the droughts are agonising as, and having seen them end, having seen Sydney's end, having seen Geelong's end, having seen um, Richmond's end, having seen the Bulldogs end, there is a craving that Melbourne's end so that they, that group of supporters who have lived a lifetime without success and they have had days where they would have thought this is never, ever going to improve that they, they are favourites in a grand final. And I find Luke Beveridge a captivating figure. The harder it gets, the more he soars through Tassie and Queensland and South Australia and now Western Australia. So this is this has never been demanded of a team. And if they are able to complete that tomorrow night, um, that I, I think 2016 is the best final series I've had the privilege to work. And you go, that they will have done it again five years on. So I'm all in on both stories. I find it really hard to split because if you tip one, um, there's a ha- half of the people who are emotionally engaged think you're against them. I couldn't be more with both groups. I know you do a lot of homework leading into the big final series and the, the grand final. What Run us through what actually goes into preparing for, for the biggest game of football yeah, in the yeah. year. So there's a couple of layers. to. So the first is just straight up identification. Yep. To be able to play with the call, you have to know who's who at every moment of the game. So that's the that's the basic discipline. And then the challenge is to do justice to what happens. So Hado and I will come in tomorrow night and we want to see a great grand final with soaring deeds that we that will live with us forever. That's what we're in it for. And then the responsibility is to capture them, to convey them, and then if you if you what you really aspire to is to send them soaring even more so that people will remember they'll remember the emotion and the moment and they might even remember a phrase that you were able to add to it. So that's the that's what it is. So to give, you have to give yourself the best chance of hitting those markers. So the core is know the players, know the pattern of the game, um, and that that means what knowing the two teams. And by this stage, you know the two teams pretty well, so you brush up. And then thinking through the storylines and the possibilities and then thinking through the language. So, so you say knowing the teams well and, and how they play. Do you do a form of opposition analysis in terms of like sussing a team yes. out? Or would you yeah. just go, I've seen the last six games of Melbourne. I've seen the last games, six games of the Bulldogs. I back myself in to have a pretty good knowledge of how they're going to play. Uh, so I would guess my notes would be a remedial version of, a, of an opposition scout. Yep. Um, who, where how different possibilities. So what you want to be able to say, if, if Melbourne do something different, you want to be able to identify it straight away. Oh, they haven't been doing that. Yep. And that, that just adds a layer to the call. For the anomaly. You are, but you are working with the team, so there'll be three experts tomorrow night. So it's not trampling their work. Yep. But if, if Jake Bowie somehow finds his way forward and kicks a goal, you want to know that his, his league career has been in defence, but his junior career wasn't. So this would be this would be a moment in a grand final which would be um, it would be unpredictable but not unforeseeable. So trying to land in the middle there and capture it if it happens. Yeah, Jared, I'm 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 fascinated in when you decided to become a broadcaster, um, and and who sort of inspired you when when you were a young kid. Did you grow up wanting to be the athlete, or were you from an early age thinking I want to be a you know, a top-line broadcaster. No, I, so I had a very quick awakening that I didn't have the capacity to play the game. <laughs> I've never wanted to play the game. Right. Uh, although I, I love cricket with all my heart. I, I yep. suspect I love cricket bats the same way that you do, Tim. I just don't yep. wield it in the same manner. 
Um, so I can remember sitting at the footy with Dad. I think I was eight. And he said to me, and I've never really asked him why he said it, but I'll never forget it. He said to me, wouldn't it be great if they paid you to be here? And that I can trace it to that moment. And during where, school... Where, where was that? It was at the MCG. Yep. Who was playing? Uh, no, I don't know, but it was a Saturday remember afternoon. Remember how old you were? Eight. Eight. Yeah. Right. And that's the the germ of my idea. And so by the time I was finishing school, it was what I wanted to do. And then I I wanted to be a journalist, and then I wanted to build the broadcasting onto that. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it's, it's been a really... Um, my... my 14-year-old self would be astounded with the jobs I get to do. And yep. I never forget that. Going to any, going to a test match, going to a grand final, going to a Melbourne Cup. Is this, this is my dream and, and I yep. get to live it. Is there, is there a moment spinning off that over your career that, that stands out to you? An interview, any sport. Any a broadcasting sport. moment, a highlight that you can just remember and think, yeah, that was it for you. That was your moment. Yeah, so Kyle Chalmers winning the 100 in Rio. So yeah. it was a jinx event for Australian swimmers and the Olympics the Olympics is like a test series overseas and like black caviar at Royal Ascot. It is um it is elevated and you can feel it as soon as you get there and you know that in your heart there's an opportunity if something truly great happens you're on duty. Something that might last. And I was working with Rob Woodhouse who I think is as good an expert in any sport as I've ever worked with. And we watched Chalmers in the heats and he came from last and won and thought, wow, that was something. And he did the same thing in the semifinals and we were on alert for him. There was another Australian in the race who was much more highly fancied, but we were looking for Chalmers. So at halfway, he's seventh and his dad is in the stands and he told us later, he said, my, my single thought at halfway was just don't finish last. And in the next 25 seconds, he swam through in the most thrilling manner won a gold medal and became a household name. And I got to call that moment. And professionally, I think I called it well. And it was funny is that the time zone, it was mid-morning here. People were in their cars, but it was, it was midnight in Rio. And the next morning when I turned my phone on, so I had that sense of, I thought I, I did that. I did that well. But the next day you started to feel, oh, this really resonated with people. And it gives me this silly little link with Kyle Chalmers, who I only know vaguely, but he knows and I know that's that's his career moment. And the truth, you're, you're it's the my career moment as well. Yeah, you're the voice of it. And yeah. the patron to that, that person's sporting moment. Before we let you go, and, and we've asked a lot of footy questions today, so if we'd love to have you back on the show when the cricket does roll around because we know you're so passionate about the cricket and, of course, the Ashes rolling around. Payne will be leading us down there. Who, who wins tomorrow night? Who, who wins out of what is... I think the two best teams from the yeah. year. Yeah, so I think it's legitimately flip of the coin. Melbourne are entitled to be favourites. I've decided to pick the Bulldogs by a point, and I don't really have any great reason. Other, there's just something spiritual to it, which might usurp the the analytics and the logic. I, I think they are exceptionally close, and I, I just hope we get a thriller. Yes, the sen- I think the sentiment sort of over the two weeks has really started to come back to maybe the Bulldogs. Being able to upset the favourites in Melbourne. Well, Jared, thank you for joining us. We will say best of luck tomorrow thank night. You. It's a a big game in a really different, oh, I suppose, a different venue to what we would normally see the AFL Grand Final. But we really do appreciate you taking the time before the big one to join us here at Jacopini. I'm honoured to be part of it.
There, there you go, Payne, the voice of football, the voice of cricket right here on SEN and SEN Hobart and the SEN app all around the country, Jared Waitley. This is Jack and Payne. Right off the break, we'll have more. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to Jack and Payne right here on SEN. And, of course, it is grand final eve. The big game being broadcast tomorrow on SEN 1116 and the SEN app right across Australia. And Jared Waitley will be calling that with Anthony Hudson. But we are joined by, well, footballing royalty, Payne. This man, though, has been on the coaching merry-go-round, if you believe believe the media and believe <laughs> the newspapers and everything that's on Twitter. He's been coaching Carlton. He's been coaching... Collingwood, he obviously have just finished up as a coach of Hawthorne. I even heard his name thrown out there to be the coach of the Manchester United Football Club. Ronaldo <laughs> made it back there. But the first question I want to ask Alastair Clarkson, who's joining us, is Clarko, are we good, me and you? Are we good after I towed that one through late in round 23 and about, send you out on a draw? What about that? You just... You just thought you'd, you'd, you'd do it in just the fashion where it just rolled over the line before Sean Bergman of all players could, could oh. try and touch it on the line. You're, uh, yeah, that was excruciating, you prick. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> thirty seconds uh, in. I, I got, I got your, I got your back, though, mate. I, um, I only voted your third best mark of the year. Clark, he's only just got over that one. Yeah, come he's on, only that's just a got over that one. You've had two months to oh. get over yours. I just haven't got over mine yet. Yeah, mate, you're stiffer than a dead man. I thought, I thought you actually uh, should have won that, mate. It was a, it was a, it was a great catch. Robbed, mate. Absolutely but, um, robbed. It was. Yeah. It was. Now, Clarko, <laughs> astonishingly, um, at the moment, mate, we've got you down here as, as unemployed. Surely uh, not. I believe in the last yeah, 24 hours not. we've learnt you've become a bit of a promoter. Um, you, you're promoting yeah, your 36 well, short good. gin and whiskey. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we've got a, a great uh, mate of mine who's... Uh, Lives in Adelaide. They were great friends of ours when we were over there for four years, and they they were originally market market gardeners, and they still do, um, you know, grow some tomatoes and cucumbers and whatnot. But um, their father was a Macedonian lad. He and two two of his brothers came out in the 1950s. You know, Europe was pretty depressed at that point in time following the Second World War, so they came out here to the Promised Land trying to find their their fortune. And um, as a as a hobby. Um, he made the he distilled these beautiful gins and, and vodkas and whiskies and just did it as a hobby for a long time until that many of his mates and that said, gee, this is better than the stuff that we buy in the shop. So they applied for a licence and just at the point that they got the licence, old, old Pando passed away, which is really sad. It was quite sudden. And his two his two boys, uh, John and Con, uh, good, strong Macedonian names, those two boys. John and Con. John and Con. <laughs> <laughs> they've, um, as a legacy to their father, they've, uh, they've, um, you know, carried on the business. They've produced this uh, this beautiful gin and, and vodka that actually is a little bit different to the way most on the market. They they infuse the blood orange and the rhubarb and all the different flavours. They, they infuse it into the gin as part of the special Macedonian recipe. So it's a pretty special brew. So um, yeah, I've jumped I've jumped on board. The Macedonians they're, they're they're pretty clever at distilling, but they're not too good at promoting and marketing. And I'm not too great at it either. But I think I could give it a little bit of a plug in myself and, and Dimmer have jumped behind these guys. They're uh, they're a great great family but very, very humble and um, very, very low key. So we're just giving them a hand over over grand final weekend to 
to promote their product. Well, Clarko, they've managed to do what two very big football clubs can't do, and that's actually get you to sign on the dotted line to become a promoter <laughs> and ambassador for a, for a company, which is which is very good. They must have some good persuasive uh, techniques techniques they've used. I want to break it down and to talk about obviously the the decision that you've made. Um, along with your family is not to head back into coaching for 12 months or, or whatever period it is. How, how do you make that come to that decision? Because you, you are you are a coach and we know coaches love to coach. Was it a hard decision to make? Um, well, it was, it was a tough decision because Collingwood and Carlton, the two clubs that I respect enormously, despite the fact that they've had their troubles over the last, last little while. But, you know, when I was growing up in the... And, you know, I was very impressionable at sort of, you know, eight, ten years of age. Carlton and Collingwood were the two dominant clubs in the competition. So, you know, they played off in grand finals. And, you know, Collingwood were quite often the bridesmaid, unfortunately. But um, but they were both really, really successful clubs in terms of, you know, playing off the silverware on a regular basis. And, you know, if there was perhaps a, a, a big club that you wanted to coach, um, you know, Richmond Essendon and Collingwood Carlton are, are the clubs. But um, the, the timing just wasn't wasn't right for me. I've been doing it for, for 17 years. Um as you probably know with Dimo, most senior coaches, they've only got two gears. It's flat out and, and stop. Um, and I haven't uh, I haven't really sat in uh, in second or third gear for a long period of time. You know, I've been involved in the game at either playing or coaching level for 35 years. I've, I've had a great run um, and, you know, indebted to the game, really. And um, I just thought if I, I took 12 months off, it would give me a chance just to take a breath. Um, commit a commit a bit of time to my family and friends, which have probably been sacrificed a little bit over the journey. And I want to do a little bit of study if I can overseas. Um, and I want to I want to explore whether I can give back to the game for um, for 12 months or two years. You know, I've I've uh, I've been enormously benef- benefited from the fact that I've been at Clubland for 35 years. But um, I'd like to do something for the for the industry, and you know that includes perhaps doing some stuff for for the for the Tassie push and their own team. You know, I've obviously been involved in in Tassie for, for 17 years and the whole time that I've been at Hawthorne we've been playing games down in Tassie I've got a really good affiliation with the um, with the Apple Isle and um, you know two of my great mates in, in Brendan Bolton and, and Chris Fagan are obviously from Tassie and homegrown product and um, you know Grant Birchall and, and amongst others have, have played for our club and um, and have, have contributed enormously to Tassie footy and, and showing showing young kids the pathway but They've just fallen off the radar a little bit, and the best way to get them back on the radar is to, um, you know, pursue this um, this team from Tassie in the national competition, which I think would be really exciting. Yeah, absolutely, Clark. Oh, we're pretty sure the Tasmania and the Task Force are pretty keen to have you involved as well. Their ears have just um, pricked up, haven't they, Painty? They have, and we'll get to that again in a second, Jack. I just wanted to ask you, though, Clark, if you touched on it, then 17 years you've been coaching in Tasmania with Hawthorne. Have you got a favourite memory um, of that time and... and um, and you work with Hawthorne up at uh, UTAS Stadium. Yeah, well, listen, we we've got a very good record there. We, it's um, it was a home away from home for us, but probably the the special memory for me was uh, 2008, and um, Shane Crawford played his 300th game against Brisbane down at um, down at UTAS Stadium. Um, he was uh, he was battling a little bit. He had terrible uh, tendonitis, patella tendonitis in both his knees midway through 2008, and um, yeah, we were, we were wondering whether we'd ever be able to get him to 300 games. So, yeah, we uh, we managed his training program. And strangely enough, once he got to, it was about around 20, I think, he he, he passed the, or got to the got to the milestone and uh, then got a got a little bit of a sniff to the fact that we might uh, we might be able to go all the way and, and win a flag. So he's good. <laughs> found an extra uh, league. Found, found, 
found an extra extra five games and um, and you know so if his 300th wasn't special then uh, certainly his 305th was because that was his last game of AFL footy and culminated in a, in a premiership um, after uh, 17 years in the game. I'm interested, uh, well, a big buddy would be flat pain. He wouldn't he just kick 13 down there? Well, you know my favourite Clarko Tasmanian one, Jack, have I told you? It? it was when he lined up Brett Stubbs in the uh, oh, post-game yes. press. Uh, Stubbs, oh. he hasn't been the same since. Oh, yes. <laughs> and he'll be listening, so Stubbsy, sorry to bring it up, but yep. it was a great moment. <laughs> it was a very, very good moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mistakenly thought, thought Stubbsy was on the hawk side that... Uh, <laughs> he, was, uh, he was very impartial. I gave him a bit of a surf, but I didn't like his impartiality. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Very good. They deserve it every now and then to be put back in their place. Clarko, the, the next 12 months, and you just said then that you would like to be involved in Tasmanian football and, and giving back to the game. Ideally, what, what would that be in the, in the next 12 months, 24 months, or even the period after that? What, what could you see yourself doing... Um, bar coaching to actually give back to, to the game and, and to Tasmanian football? Yeah, well, I've, I've got, if, if Tassie's going to get a team in the competition, I think the, a couple of the mistakes that GWS and Gold Coast made was, was, it, was it pretty hasty. You know, from the announcement of the licence that they were granted by the AFL to the time that they came into the competition, I think was might, might have been two or three years. And it didn't give you know the, the other clubs in the competition... Um, you know, there was there was enormous compensation given to those two clubs to get up and get going because they they weren't foundation um, heartland clubs. They were in obviously Western Sydney and uh, and the Gold Coast, which which had had footy presence, but nothing like Tasmania. Um, I just think that um, you know we've got to reinvigorate um, footy down in Tasmania, and it's going to take a period of time to do that. We've got to get footy back into the schools. We've got to get the pathway program get right. We want. In five or six years' time, if that was the time that, that Tasmania came into the competition, we we want to make sure that um, the bulk of the players that we're going to play for the Tassie side actually were Heartland Tassie Tassie people, and um, you know we're going to need to um, bring some guys from the mainland to play for the Tassie side, without a doubt, through the draft. But by and large, if we can start the program through the schools and the pathway programs really strongly, um, announce the announce the license, get that get that grant as soon as we can, and then. Don't be impatient. Let's just let's just do it steadily and take take five or six years to, to build up the the grassroots and build build the fabric of the club. You know, touch into the 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 very fabric of the Tassie history. You know, like some of some of the icons of and legends of the Australian game have uh, have come from Tassie. You know, the the Doc Bulldogs and the Royce Hearts and the Ian Stewarts and Peter Hudson. These sorts of guys. They're they're, they're, leg, they're legends of the game. Not not to mention you know virtual and you know. Here I say it, uh, Jack Rewalt, not finished yet. <laughs> Rich O's in front of me. <laughs> but uh, but there, there's just some iconic people, and not just um, not just iconic people that have played the game, um, administered the game, coached the game. You know, we've got Bolts and Bolts and Fakes that are just so passionate about their homeland um, and home state that um, that they'd love to contribute and see a see a Tassie team in the national competition. And I, I, I genuinely believe. Um, that the national competition should be truly national, and it's not a national competition until Tassie are in it, and it's not really a national competition, dare I say, until the Northern Territory are in it as well. And I mean, that's that's further away. That's that's a lot harder that one. But um, Tassie should already, in my view, have a team in the competition, and because it hasn't, well, let's roll up the sleeves and, and make sure that there are there a team that's uh, that none of this quasi quasi stuff either. Yeah, let's get let's get a Tassie standalone team. Out of uh, out of the Tassie market, but let's uh, take our time to build it up and 
if I can help in some small way, you know, I've got a teaching background, so my understanding of schools and pathways and that sort of stuff is pretty strong. So it's at that, that, that sort of level, um, which is really going to form the basis of the, of the Tasmanian side. We don't want to be a side that just limps into the competition and gets smacked in the first two or three years or five years of its existence. We want to get in there and uh, make a good fist of it. But if we've got Tassie product, then this whole go-home thing and retention of players and that sort of stuff becomes a no-brainer. When, uh, when you've got Tassie people that are born and bred, they know how good this state is. Um, the tourism, you know, if, it's, 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 if, it, if it wasn't an island, if it was part of it, it was actually part of the mainland of Australia, it would be the tourist destination of, uh, of the world, really. I mean, it's, uh, it's a little bit forgotten Definitely. about Tassie, but if you, if, you, if you actually got down there enough, like we've been fortunate enough to do over the last 17 years, it is, it is the mecca of, uh, of tourism in this country, and um, yeah, you might have to you might have to rug up a couple of times, but uh, by geez, it's got some beautiful places. You know, whether that's the, the north, the south, the east, or the or the rugged west, um, it's a uh, it's a beautiful part of our country. Certainly is, Clark. And one of the one of the major sticking points, I guess, of, of getting the 19th license is going to be getting majority support of the the other club presidents what what do you think needs to happen or what should the Tasmanian task force or government be focusing on there on on making sure that we get those 18 presidents across the line yeah well I think I think there wouldn't be a, a, a president you know to be fair if we're talking about a national competition I don't think there's a president or a CEO or a coach or a football follower out there that doesn't think that Tassie should have a team in it yeah. uh, what they where they become perhaps a little bit um, self-centred is that oh, they don't want that to be at the expense of their club. So, you know, if, if, if to, to bring Tasmania into the competition, there's going to be compromised drafts and, um, and you know, each club has to give Tasmania a player or something like that, which was what they had to do with the Brisbane Bears many, many years ago, then um, they don't want it to implicate their, uh, their club too much. But I think philosophically, they, they like the concept of Tasmania being in a national competition. So, what, that's, that's the whole idea of just taking our time and making sure that the pathway program is really, really strong so you've got Tasmanian products. So uh, you don't have to compromise the drafts as much so it doesn't implicate any of the other 18 clubs in the competition anywhere near as much. And I think if that was to be the case, obviously we're going to need some compensation, but not to the level that, that Gold Coast and GWS um, got. And, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of club presidents still to this day say, oh, geez, they were they were overcompensated, those two clubs, because it, it made it really difficult for clubs in the middle of the ladder um, to, to get themselves up into the top echelon because all the significant talent was going to those two clubs for a fair period of time. So if we can do something in that space, I think it will help the club presidents realise that, OK, it's not going to implicate our individual clubs too much, so let's, let's support the granting of this licence to Tassie and let them get to work. Clark, I want to do a little bit of crystal balling here with you then. Everything you're talking about here makes makes absolute sense. And we had Hamish Ogilvy, the national recruiting manager from the Adelaide Football Club, on how we would set up a club. I want to put it to you. Let's say Chris Fagan finishes up at, up at Brisbane and, and season 2026 20, rolls around and we've got the inaugural Tassie team. And, and Fags, who is a proud, proud, proud Tasmanian, as you would know, loves the state, puts his hand up to be the head of football, which he had, which the role he had at, at Hawthorne Football Club. Would you entertain coaching the Tasmanian team in, it, in its first year or being the first coach of the Tasmanian AFL team if it was granted a licence and started in the season 2026? 20, yeah, well, it de- depends where I'm at and what I'm doing at that point in time. Um, but, yeah, we, we, without a doubt. You know, the, um, but, but also, there, there's some other guys out there, like, like Bolts and Fakes, but both, both would be great candidates. You know, if it's a... 
if it's a, a, a Tassie guy that you want to coach the club, then you've got two rippers there. You know, both those guys I can see in really, really strong roles for the Tassie side, either in coaching or in football administration, setting up the setting up the club. But you know, it, because it is six years away, um, who knows what we're all going to be doing at that point in time? But uh, but certainly from this far out, you know, if uh, if I were if I was unemployed like I am now, um, I'd be putting my hand up big time to to get involved in some such an exciting venture. I I think it's a no-brainer for the AFL competition and it's a no-brainer for Tassie to roll their sleeves up and, and get behind it. You know, footy's been such a, a big part of the, the the fabric of Tasmania for over a century and, um, as we said earlier, you know, some pretty iconic people. You know, the alumni of, of Tassie people that have had an influence on AFL or VFL footy in the past is pretty significant and we want to hear their voices. We want to hear their, their enthusiasm for a Tassie team. Um, and we want them to contribute to the reason why Tassie should have a, a team in the national competition. Well, a very good friend of this show, well, Cl- Clarko, is uh, our, pre- uh, well, our Premier, Peter Gutman, and I know he'll be listening. And I think um, he's given me the power to actually um, accept you in as a Tasmanian. We're going to accept you in as a pseudo-Tasmanian. You've spent 17 years down there playing football. So on behalf of me and Payne, welcome to being a Tasmanian. You joined Fags and uh, and Brendan Bolton as great Hawthorne men that are coming in. I want to quickly get your uh, thoughts on the grand final tomorrow. Big, big game. The, the t- Arguably the two best teams um, are going at it. Uh, how do you see it playing out and who do you think might win? Yeah, there's going to be some intriguing games within the game. Um, you know, I'm really fascinated to see, you know, what happens with, you know, Jack Lever and Stephen May. You know, the the uh, strategy that, that Bevo and the, the Dogs used against the Lear Lear in the in the prelim final really upset the, um, you know, the defensive structure of the, the Port Adelaide side. And I don't see Melbourne being any different to that. I think we'll, we'll see a really unusual type of look in the, uh, in the Bulldogs forward line instead of the... the Melbourne defenders picking up the Western Bulldogs forwards. I think it'll be vice versa. I think the Western Bulldogs forwards are going to pick up the the, the Melbourne Melbourne defenders, which is what's happened in a couple of their games this year, which is intriguing. But and the other one is uh, is Liberatore. I think uh, there's there's some more heralded uh, Western Bulldogs players in the midfield in Bontempelli and McRae. You know they're both in the top five in the Brownlow Medal. But Liberatore is the one for mine that. He looks untidy, he's unfashionable, but um, he's the real he's the real spirit of the of the Bulldogs midfield. And I, I you know, the first first clash between these two sides earlier in the year, they Melbourne in their wisdom placed James Arms on uh, on Liberatore, and it wasn't the sole reason why Melbourne won that game. But um, I really feel like it it, uh, it knocked a bit of the midfield impetus out of the out of the Dogs. Um, I feel in the return game later in the season, Melbourne for whatever reason didn't choose to do that, and the Dogs won that game. So. I don't think it's just about that particular matchup, but I'll be intrigued to see if Liberatore. You know, he was a, he was significant in the in the first first quarter of the Port Adelaide game, and um, yeah, I'd uh, I'd be really surprised if if the Demons didn't you know do a lot of homework into how they could try and quell his influence. Two weeks yeah, is a lot. Clarko, time no doubt, mate. It's going to be one hell of a grand final. Now, we the other reason we have got you on is the your new role as the promotion of uh, the big thirty six role, they got him, doing the their own. They got him, Jack. Listen to this, doing their own grand final promotion. So we just had a little bit of insight into the grand final from Alistair Clarkson. But if you want to hear more and better still, if you want to have a debrief of a debrief the AFL grand final from two, what? what are you talking with Alistair Clarkson? And Damien Hardwick, yep. two of the great coaches of the modern day. All you've got to do is go to www.36short.com.au this week and just buy simply online a bottle of the gin, whiskey or vodka. 
you're going to the draw to to you and twenty of your mates to have a debrief of the grand final at five PM on Monday night. Right, get yelled on at. Zoom call. Get yelled at by Alistair two of the great Clarkson, coaches. Damien Hardwick. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna get online myself now. I'm gonna buy it. And if you're if there is any aspiring coaches out there listening or people that just love their footy, what an opportunity to get online, buy a nice bottle of gin. You can maybe sit back and open it on Monday night while you're going through the D B for the grand final. But I'm uh, I'm getting online now, Jack. Clarko, surely you can send mate get get Dimo to send me one and then you organise through your manager with Payne that you can send out a little bit of thirty six and we'll we'll sample it for you and let you know if it's any good and if the Macedonian yep. recipe's as good as you say it is. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good brew. Just add, add lots of ice, a little bit of tonic, and a little bit of pink grapefruit juice, and you've got a beautiful, beautiful drink. And you put you slice a bit of blood orange as a, as a condiment on the top. You're, uh, you're very, very popular with uh, with the wife too, Jack. You will be. Um, you're a master very, chef. Very, very refreshing. Spring Carnival drink, Jacko. So get on board, lad. Yeah, very good. Very well, Clarko. Thank you for joining us. We really do appreciate it. you've uh, you've had a massive impact on obviously the Hawthorne Football Club, and by byproduct of that, you've had a massive impact on Tasmanian football and Tasmanian people. So thank you for that. We really do appreciate what you have done for Tassie Footy, and thanks for joining us on Jack and Payne. Good on you, boys, and good luck to those Demon Boys and, and Western Bulldogs boys in the, in the big game tomorrow. It should be a cracker of a game. There you go, Payne. The great coach, Alastair Clarkson. Uh, well, so many things to debrief out of that. And we'll do that right after the break. We'll be back shortly. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to Jack and Payne. Of course, it is the Friday before the grand final. Grand final even if you want to listen to the football here on SEN. Tune in to SEN 1116 or get the app and you can tune in to the app all around the country. Well, Payne, massive interview. I, I put that up. That's nearly the biggest interview we've had. Yep. Alastair Clarkson comes in. One point that I want to, I want to kick this off because we're going to have a quick chat about it and, and see what yep. we got out of the interview, but... I counted the wees and the owls in there. There was yep. a lot of them. Seven times he said we in terms of referring to Tasmania's team yep. and our as well. So he he is invested. 17 years have been down there. He's seen what the Apple Isles got to, got to give and he is invested as anyone in Tasmanian football. It's it's actually, um, you know, even sitting here now, both, both reflecting on it, it's actually quite amazing, isn't it? We've got potentially the greatest coach of the modern era and it sounds to me as if he, he's almost within reach if if this was he, he's to become, more than within reach he, he's there yeah oh he's going to be involved now but i'm thinking four or five years down the track he's already thinking in his mind how we need to get players to be developed to be ready to play afl footy in tasmania now i don't know about you but i'm not spending the time thinking about that if i haven't thought about myself being in a certain position down the track so it's it's bloody exciting for any footy fans. Obviously, it's a hell of a lot of water to go under the bridge, but that that was just a huge thing to hear come out of um, such a legendary coach's uh, mouth. And I thought as well, his passion for football after how long he has been in the game, his passion for footy, his passion for Tasmanian football, and his passion for the AFL to become a truly national game. Um, it was fascinating to listen to. And we, you're right, we've been so lucky to have some brilliant guests on this um, show. One area that the... Uh, well, he spoke about the Gold Coast and GWS Suns and... Um the, the draft compensation they were giving, and clearly with a homegrown talent, we 
Tasmania wouldn't be asking for as much gra- draft compensation, nor would we probably get it to be honest, because that would that yeah. would be I think big for the presidents in terms of how they voted voted the uh, the side in. But maybe an area that we could push for is actually getting maybe a bigger soft cap. So the soft cap is the amount of money you're allowed to spend on your football department. Your senior coach's salary falls under that. If 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 we can do this, it is literally write your own check and we and we get him, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah, you you're, you're getting someone involved in your footy club who's happy to pay anything that needs to be paid tax wise above the soft cap. To have Alistair Clarkson, to have the other guys he touched on, to have Fags, to have Brendan Bolton. That's the thing. Yeah. It's a bit of a dream team. They've won premierships together. Um, and, and again, I find it interesting that he's, he's mentioned those two guys alongside. Again, have they had a conversation and said, "Hey, in five years' time, maybe." Maybe this is up our sleeve. Maybe there's some scheming behind the scenes. We raised this with Hamish Ogilvie, Adelaide's national recruiting manager, about a month ago when we were plotting what a team would look like and where to start it from. It seems that Clarko's nearly done all the plotting already, and he has a picture in his mind that he yep. w- wants to happen. But the one thing we focused on is that we, we needed people that weren't Tasmanian that have been involved in AFL teams and yep. successful AFL teams. And, and clearly... Alistair Clarkson fits the bill in every area that we identified as, as what we want to have when we're starting a side. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, he hit the nail on the head there. We, we do want the very best that are available to us. So whether that's Alistair Clarkson and he's from Melbourne, I, I don't think we care too much about it. Um, as he said, though, the, the biggest thing, and you can again hear the passion about it in his voice, is, is being able to link those Tasmanian legends that have played AFL footy um, in the past to the new club so it's got it's got a bit of guts to it um, it's something that Tasmanian people will then be drawn to but certainly in terms of setting the club up uh, coaching drafting administration you want the very very best people at the top of the tree and when it comes to coaching there's certainly none better than Alistair Clarkson my only worry from the interview is that we clipped Brent Stubbs on the way out so where do you see us tomorrow do we sit front page or back page of the Mercury no, I think we'll be. I think Stubbs will like that. Stubbs will. He's obviously run with a few things on the show before, so we give him a bit of a poke. He can run with the Clarkson story straight up. Uh, no, I think I think he'd be all right, old Stubbsy. That was a great moment, though. I still remember the look on every obviously every sports fan in Tassie knows Stubbsy quite well, and he's been around the scene for a long time. But just the look on his face when Clarko went, he he just went white. Uh, it, it truly was one of the great footy moments from the uh, Hawthorne. Tasmanian government deal, in my view. Ah, oh, very good. Well, we're very lucky to have Alastair Clarkson on board. We've had a big first hour, but coming up, Flash Lithgow is going to join us later in the show. We've got Melbourne star and Tasmanian Ben Brown, and, of course, we will preview the grand final, and we're going to give our top five grand final moments. This is Jack and Paney right here on SEN Hobart. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to the second hour of Jack and Payne. Thanks to Harrison Agents, Tasmania's real estate experts. Flash, 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 welcome to the show. Flash, early in again this week, mate. You're just continually getting into Growing. more and more segments. You hosted last week and you're back in again early this week. Great to have me again, Tim. It's good to see you here again, mate. Thanks, mate. Um, you're looking pretty well. Things starting to improve for you by the outset, but footy's the key, <laughs> and it's with great pleasure, Jack. We've got some. You've really got us good a guest, have you, Flash? I do, and a journey that I've watched closely for a number of years, and he gets his opportunity in the grand final on the weekend. Ben Brown, thanks for joining us. Good day, Flash. Great to have you here, mate. Um, 
the day before the grand final, the obvious one is, mate, how are you feeling about things? Oh, it's it's been a bit of a whirlwind, I suppose. Um, you know, the last couple of weeks and, you know, the feeling after the prelim final win was um, was pretty unbelievable. And, yeah, I suppose we're just biding our time now until the big game. We train this morning, um, you know, ahead of ahead of tomorrow. And, yeah, we'll, we'll be looking forward to getting out there for sure. Fascinating year for you. Um, I think we might touch on the how it happened briefly with North Melbourne and Melbourne at the end of last season. But you got yourself into the team. Uh, I remember it well. We called the game down here, Melbourne versus North Melbourne, and played those couple games, kicked three goals against the Swans from memory and found yourself out of the team. Um, tell us about that bit of experience, looking back now, if you reflect on it, in terms of getting yourself back there. What was the key indicator for you to to make a spot in this team as you head towards September? Yeah, well, I suppose it wasn't the ideal start for me um, in terms of coming to the club and, and um, hurting my knee in pre-season and needing a surgery. So um, to start with, it was just getting my body right, getting ready to play AFL footy again. Um, you know, after probably having a 12 months prior to that that hadn't gone exactly to plan, um, you know, with North. So... Yeah, for me, it was about getting my body right first and then just trying to play the kind of footy that um, Melbourne wanted me to play. Um, and, you know, that's that's what I probably put my head down and, and look to do. Um, you know, I've got my first three games in, in Melbourne's team and Sam Wiedemann was going really well at the time and got his opportunity to play. Um, so I, I was um, back in the VFL for probably five or six weeks and I think it was probably during that time that I had a bit of a, a, bit of a mindset shift um, you know, went went back and looked at, I suppose, what made me a good um, a good AFL player, and um, put some things into place in the VFL side that I knew would stack up at AFL level. And when I got my chance again, I, I knew that I'd be ready to go. Yeah, Benny, Tim Payne here, mate. You touched about there on there. Sorry, your your mind shift. Is it, was that something you did personally? Is that did you sit down and think I need to do something differently, or was there someone within the, the footy club at Melbourne on the coaching staff that? Um, that helped you, you know, how you're going to go about things and how you're going to change a year and get back into the team? Um, oh, it definitely wasn't just um, just me. I, I definitely It definitely took a mindset shift uh, within myself, but I think I, I had so much support um, within the football club. You know, from the coaches, you know, even, even, when, they, um, even when they told me that I was being dropped back to the VFL, um, you know, it was all positive stuff. It was all all belief um, in what I could do and, uh, and you know, I, I suppose a long-term vision as well. You know, I was going to be at the club for another four years. So, um, you know, wanting to put those put those blocks in place to, to make me a good player over a long period of time for the club. Um, so, yeah, the, the belief was there from the coaching staff. Um, did some work with um, Andrew Waterson, who's our, who's our club psychologist as well. Um, he's been fantastic for me throughout the year and, and I suppose my, my wife at home too, she's, she's been um, fantastic for me and has probably supported me um, more than anyone else. Uh, so, yeah, it took, it took a bit from my perspective to, I suppose, turn myself around, but uh, definitely didn't go without help from others. Benny, how is the? Uh, well, take us inside the the, the the quarantine hub over there. You've been away for nearly five weeks now, and and two weeks without playing football, or having the two weeks in the, in the bye leading into the grand final. What's it been like uh, in the Melbourne hub? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, uh, mate. It's um, the first couple of weeks we're in quarantine, so everyone's around the hotel and um, you know trying to. 
trying to um, find things to do, I suppose, to, to pass the time in amongst the training. Uh, now we can get out and about a little bit more. We've, we're probably a little bit more separated in that, you know, guys go off and, you know, go to cafes and, um, you know, go into the city and, and have a bit of a look around. So there's there's people doing different things at different times. So, you know, at times we can be spread out, but I think that's good for us as well um, to get away from the environment for a little bit at times. Uh, but yeah, we're we're pretty much now that we're now that we're into the last couple of days, um, you know, ahead of the game, we're all pretty much together, and we've got our training session again this morning, um, you know, to to get us primed and ready for the game. I don't think there'll be too many going out tonight, uh, you know, ahead ahead of the game tomorrow. So we're all just really excited. Um, you know, I, I think the great thing about this club is we all support each other really well, and we all all feel a part of it. Uh, and that's that's down to we've got the whole list here and. The way that the um, the guys who aren't currently in the senior team have been pushing us along at training has really helped us too over the last couple of weeks. So, you know, we're hoping that we've prepared prepared really well and we're ready to go for tomorrow. Going into the game tomorrow night, Ben, just tell us about that forward line structure. You mentioned already about the changes when you came back in, etc. Um, no changes from last week. Your tools, you've got McDonald, Brown, Jackson, obviously with yourself, and then Fritch with your half forward. Um the ability to change that sort of look all the time and rotating at all off the onto the bench. We know Gorn goes forward every now and again, like the prelim, of course. It just seems really settled and versatile. It, it, how do you look at it from your perspective now? You're you're in the inner circle playing in that forward line. Yeah, I definitely feel like versatility is a great word to describe it. Um, you know, I feel pretty lucky to be playing in this this forward line, this forward structure that's got so many potent. Um, aspects to it, you know, Tommy McDonald, particularly at the start of the year, but he's he's come back into some great form in the final series. But he was he was up there with, you know, playing all Australian footy. I thought Bailey Fritch has kicked over fifty goals this year, um, which for a, you know for a hybrid forward's fantastic. Um, Cosy Pickett is unbelievable for a guy of his age to be doing what he's doing. Um, you know, I, I think we re- we really do have a lot of prongs to our forward line and. And it does make us more potent, and it probably means that you know we we just all focus on playing our own role uh, and doing what we need to do for the team. When it's our turn to kick the goals, it's our turn. But we know that someone else will step up and and kick them if kick them when it's their turn as well. So um, you know, and like you say, we are pretty lucky to have guys like Maxi Gorn and Christian Petrarca pop forward. Uh, when you're playing with guys like that, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, mate, but there's been a bit of talk coming out of the Dogs, Brownie, around the fact that they could target Maxie Gorn. Do you think Maxie will handle that? There's some talk that he didn't that well against Port Adelaide, but it was two years ago. Is that something that your group's discussed and how you'll help him handle if they do? Um, well, we always look after our, our teammates and, and do the best thing by them. But, uh, you know, I, I think Maxie will take it all in his stride. He's been playing... Um, he's been playing fantastic footy over the last few weeks. And there's a reason why, you know, if they are going to target him, there's a reason why they're doing that. It's because he's, yeah. he's a bloody hard player to stop. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, look, I'll back in Maxi to, to play through just about anything. Um, he's been fantastic for us all year. He's, you know, all Australian, um, you know, for a reason. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's playing that kind of footy in finals. So, yeah, 100% back him in all the way. And who's going to play on you is the question, of course. You've you've got Keith as an option. He's come back in the team in Cordy. Have you had much head-to-head value against those couple of guys over the last couple of years? Oh, yeah. The, 
you, you get to know each other pretty well, I suppose, having played on each other a few times previously. And, you know, you do your preparation on just about every um, possible option for someone that's someone that's going to play on you. But I think, you know, like I said before, we're, we're definitely taking a team approach to it. Um, yes, there's yes, there's players that will play on individuals, um, and I think last time they, the dogs were pretty pretty happy to slide and switch matchups, um, you know, throughout the day. So, yeah, we'll be taking definitely a team approach to it, and um, you know, if if we do that, I think it'll service service best, service well, and you know, hopefully send us on the way to playing some good footy and hopefully winning a flag. Well, Benny, with Ryan Gardner being named out for the Bulldogs, it means that you are the lone Tasmanian representing the state in this year's grand final, which is really exciting. Hopefully, you can join the list, the long list of Tasmanians that have become premiership players and you break a 57-year premiership drought. The rest of Tassie, well, the, the team, the people that go for the Bulldogs will be going for the Bulldogs, but the rest of Tassie, mate, will be cheering for you and your demons. Flash, I've got our man penciled in for, I'm thinking, three or four he was on fire early last well, two weeks ago. A little bit, little bit wayward with the goal kicking, but I reckon our man Ben Brown will stand up and I'm penciling him in. I'm going for four goals from Benny Brown in the grand final. Benny, thank you for joining us. And just on behalf of everyone at SEN and Jack and Paney, we wish you absolutely the best luck for the 2021 grand final. No worries. Thanks, gents. There you go, boys. Ben Brown, he's going to be pivotal to Melbourne winning the grand final. He plays a massive role. And, of course, the last 12 months, it couldn't have panned out any better for him. This is Jack and Paney on SEN. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Paney with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to Jack and Paney. Frash Lithgow is with us. Thanks to Harrison Agents selling your home. Contact Harrison Agents today. Boys, the grand final preview, the big one. Paney, you want to run us through the teams? I will take us through the teams. Melbourne first. Uh, no one in, David, no. obviously. Out goes James Jordan, who was last week's Medi-Sub. He'll be the same uh, again, named the four emergencies. Yep. Yep. Melksham, Jordan, Chandler. Well, we think Jordan will be the definitely, sub, don't we? Definitely, definitely, definitely. Yep. Yep. So no change, effectively, for the yep. Bulldogs then. You've heard it here first. No, uh, the Western Bulldogs, in comes Keith and Waitman. Ooh. Out, Scott, who was last week's Medi-sub. Vandermeer omitted. Mm. Gardner, mm. the Tasmanian hope, Ooh. omitted. Uh, emergencies again, the four emergencies named Vandermeer, Scott, Gardner and Richards. I think Vandermeer for mine. He was... He, he was Really bitey early on up in Launceston. Is he just a little bit more a whisker, more advanced forward pressure-wise than Scott, maybe? Yeah, I, I think Scott can play dual position, so I'm going to go with sure. Scott. But we will, we will all wait to see when they announce the final teams on the grand final day. What? Uh, well, Flash, run us through. What are you thinking? It's a big game. and these are, It I is said, a big game. The two best teams, you know, I reckon, going around. Yeah, early in the week... Um, I think a lot of people, I think this is a very common thread of people that thought the Demons were maybe good things or favourites as the week's gone, and I've pulled this one apart. It's really hard to not suggest it's pretty much a toss of the coin. Wherever you look in the depth departments, the best 10 players on the ground, the best 20 players on the ground, you split them up, as I did today, and I got 5 and 5, I'd get 10 and 10, etc. I wonder what the biggest issues of the day are going to be. And we 
talked about Max Gorn before the prelim, and he still, to me, is the top of the tree. Steph Martin's had the week off, Jack, um, so that's good for him. English is going to ruck 30%, 40% of it, but is that is that the key to starting all this? Does Gorn dominate, they win, or can the dogs really get close to breaking even? What a difference that makes to them. No, well, I, Flash, I think that if Gorn dominates, Melbourne will win. So that's I think yep. that's plain and simple, but... They just need to break even and find not even break even, not get absolutely belted. Max Gorn put one like was unbelievable in that game uh, two weeks ago, and and single handedly just got them off to an amazing start. But I, I just think that uh, look, if if Gorn gets off the leash, um, it might be curtains for the dogs. How, I'll ask you, Jack. How do you stop him? I mean, obviously he's mm-hmm. going to he's going to dominate the ruck. He normally he does that every week, so they can. Set up for that. They can try and shark his taps. They can have the sweepers. A lot of I've heard a lot of people talking about having that defensive sweeper, so you can't let him out that side. But but the influence in the prelim final was around the ground as well. How can they nullify that? Oh, I think Stefan Martin's just got to play arguably the greatest game of his life, and that is to to, 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 to take on Gorn and and just nullify him and just go with him and and don't even try and get the ball yourself. Maybe you just actually play on on Max Gorn and use him as your as your beacon for, for where there's, the ball is going to go because he will take you to where the footy is going to go. Do you buy into the being physical with him? No. Nah. He's above that, surely. No, nah, nah, it won't happen. won't happen. Yep. It will happen a bit early and then it won't happen after that. The midfield battle, guys, is the other one to, to go to. Now, of course, we can include Gorn very much in that. But the depth of midfields, and I get to the fifth and sixth for the dogs and we're looking at Trelaw and Dunkley. And, and is that a little difference in two when you're when you look how Melbourne, how deep Melbourne are batting. Yeah, no, I think um, this is it's going to be an amazing battle. The game will be won in the middle. Like both the bookends are fairly similar, fairly similar. Maybe Melbourne just in the back line, but I just think if if one side can get it out of the middle clean, and we saw early on with Bailey Smith and the way he played early on and Tom Libertore last week, they just tore the game to shreds, and before you knew it, the game was over. And it was a similar game in the Melbourne-Geelong game. So if the midfields get on top, and I don't think uh, it will happen as early as what it would, it'll be a ground out. It's going to be a cracking grand final. I think that midfield battle is one to, to really watch, and, and, and that will probably basically sum up the game and its result. Yep. Can I ask Jack as well? Another another key part is is the lever may and how Melbourne try and mm. make them accountable Nor- or try and get them free. How, how is, you know, when you've played against guys like this, what, what kind of stuff do you do? Because, I mean, it sounds simple for the general punter. You just go and stand someone next next to them, but there's a bit more to it. Yeah. How do you go about stopping it, making sure that they are not allowed to roam around and do as they please? Joey Montagna showed some great footage on AFL 360 last week of Aaron Norton actually playing on Jake Lever. Stephen May wants to play on Norton and follow him around, but Aaron, uh, Aaron Norton was going to Lever and actually, he draws the ball. So rather than and Lever being able to run and jump at the ball, he actually has someone drawing it to him so that he can't impact as that third in because he's actually in the initial contest. So I think there'll yeah. be a few games there. People speak about Shacky. I reckon Shacky might actually go to May. But um, no, I think Norton will be key to, to how that unfolds up forward. And what about a wild card for the day? Um, that's the last thing to probably touch on with this. And for me, it's Christian Salem. He, I know he's an All-Australian. He's had a wonderful year. But can he, like, kick you a goal or two? You know, like, think back to Malachewski kicking a couple in 2012 Ballie, Ballie off a half-back well. flank. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Is there that guy that can get forward, kick some goals and change? It's really exciting. Yeah, no, it is. There's match winners all over the ground, boys. Who are we tipping and who's our Norm Smith? I'm going to go with, I think, Melbourne will win. Um, uh, I've just got a feeling about them. A couple of goals. And I am going to tip... 
Uh, I think Stephen May will win the Norm Smith. Yes, yeah, I'm going to back Penny. the Bulldogs because I love an underdog. I'm going the Bont as the Norm Smith because oh, yeah. it's a midfielder's medal. And the underdog with I, like the, I don't <laughs> like that the Demons have had one game in three weeks. And I love that the Dogs are great starters. And I think if they can get off to a good start, they can win this game. Demons by 16 points. Scorn to win the Norm Smith. But Salem's the roughie that I want to see have a big oh, game. Can't wait. Uh, well, Paney, this is a very exciting flash as well. Very exciting. We're uh, talking about our top five grand final moments. Uh, we did our Brownlow predictions last week. Flash, did you tip the Brownlow winner? Look, Ooh. I did, yes. Oh, thanks for that. Yep. Um, no, I played a pretty good final series, well in done. fairness. Yeah, well done. Through tip, all the critics. favourite. Well done, mate. That's, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, Nostradamus <laughs> of the AFL, he called himself, for tipping <laughs> well, the shortest price favourite of all time. Well, <laughs> Tim, if you want to go back and listen to the preview for the prelims, I actually yep. nailed the segment. Right. So, okay. credit where credit's due. Fair, yep. big tip, Take Flash. You've been very good. So, our listeners better listen in because you do, thanks, happen, you do get it right, mate. Uh, Flash, I want you to kick us away. Top five moments, grand final moments, and um, look, how many Sydney ones in here will be interesting? Oh. Well, look, there is. But five I, to I'm one, trying to Five to one. At the diplomacy, if I can. 2014 was not a good one for a Swans fan. If you might remember, the Swans were pretty hot favourites that day, but something that sticks in my mind in that grand final was about a minute into the game, and Sean Burgoyne, burst through the stoppage and he took every Swans midfielder with him and my my daughter Millie turned to me and said dad what is happening here and I said darling we're in an enormous amount of trouble and I think the clock said 47 seconds or something we in the grand final you've brainwashed your daughter but what it was is Burgoyne and, and that sort of underrated part of his game Jack of course that real brute clearance body work then the burst that he had that was a moment I'll never forget and wasn't for the good reasons. Number four, it could have been 3-2-1 as well. Darren Jarman in 97 oh, and 98. sensational. But in 98, I was at the grand final um, against the Roos. The Kangas on top early, couldn't kick straight. Um, Jarman went berserk. What a player. And the way he could effortlessly kick the footy on both sides of the boot. Five goals on the, that day was amazing. Number three is an interesting one. And I reckon only the real nuffies would get this one. And... Jack, I'm not sure if you recall watching the game 408 times as you have in 2017. <laughs> a big day for you, of course. But in the middle of the ground, midway through the first quarter, um, there was a contest and Josh Jenkins for the Crows came up to the footy and had the opportunity to really make a statement. Trent Cotchin came the other way and he made an enormous statement against a guy that's probably four stone heavier than him, won the hardball get they went down and kicked another goal. And there was a similar moment for me than what it was, the Burgoyne one. Too hard, too... The willingness of Cochin on that day, the little moments he had, and that was a big moment for was me. He, was it a marking contest or a, on the ground? In, in the ground. Oh, I would expect Trent Cochin to beat Josh Jenkins below his knees. Oh, bash a guy 20 Christ. kilos heavier than him. You serious? Anyway, next. Sorry. You bashed him. These are your five, I forgot. They are, they are. The next one's a bit more generic here, Jack, of course, and Gary Ablett Jr., or Gary Ablett Sr. in 1989. That's the first game I can really remember the most of it. I remember every moment of it. Look, I'm not I'm not making any news here about that, that game. I'm sure that's in everybody's. In fact, Tim, if I have a look at yours, I'll actually break it for you. You've got him too, so I'm not going that badly. Number one, however, Jack, was clearly a big moment in 2005. I was sitting about 50 metres away when... Leo Barry oh, yeah. did the job. Dean Kicks got Dean Cox back into the goals. Well, what was 25 minutes out from goals? 
what a market was. That was the one, number one for me. Very good. And no doubt the Sydney one would have been in there. Um, interesting that Gary Ablett's uh, seniors game, well, you've just put the whole game in there as the moment, 1989. He just had it on the well, screen. Well, the nine goals, yeah. wasn't it? It's, yeah. it's the, whole, the whole thing with it. I mean, it's, not a, it, it's a moment of one of those times when, for once, when a guy actually does win the Norm Smith from the losing team, I think that's when it was justified. He was absolutely incredible. And as a kid, from there on in, you just thought, this guy, you just looked at him completely differently. Were you a kid still in 89? How old were you? 20? Grow up, mate. (laughs) Pat on the back Um, there, Flash. Only one Sydney one in there. Well, one positive Sydney one. So, good step forward for you. Payne, give us your top five. Yeah, I'll give you mine five and I'll be um, straight to the point because we were told to go a sentence or two at max. So, we have got a a whole show to get through here. So... Number five, Michael Long, bouncing the ball down the wing as a Bombers fan, kicking it. Oh, this is Silvani getting a touch on it. We remember it. Fantastic. That's number five. Number four, Michael Voss running into Scott Burns at the MCG. Wow. Well done. I like that. It wasn't so much the running into it. It was the the next contest. He scooped it up one-handed, clean as a whistle, popped the handball over to Simon Blake, who kicked the goal, and then went and got straight in Burns' face, I thought, first quarter. Hard at the footy. You talk about Cochin, leadership. Get behind me, we boys. Get about, that up. was one of those moments. One sentence. Number three, Flash has already touched on. Leaping Leo Barry, that mark. It was sensational. Huge packing from the side, all the rest of it. Number two, I've also gone Gary Ablett, nine in 89. And I'll tell you why, Jack, because I can still remember it this day. I was five years old, and I was on a camping trip with the family up up north, about two and a half hours, at a place called Old McDonald's Farm. Have you ever been there, Flash? <laughs> no, I haven't. Explain A couple it. of families. It's a, it's a farm. And kids can go and feed all the farm animals, and you stay there. So I was there with a couple of other families, and we watched the 1980 Grand Final. I can still remember it as a five-year-old kid. That was my number two. And my number one, and not just because you're here, Jack, oh, was no. Mr. Missing... Brightside. Yes. Well done. Mr. Brightside. And I'll tell you why. Because... We don't see enough of it from Australian sports stars these days. Show a bit of personality. Yep. Get out and enjoy yourself. You just won a grand final. I thought it was brilliant. It was captivating. And I loved seeing an athlete relax. I've seen it another time at the T20 World Cup from the girls. They got on stage with Katy Perry. And I just like seeing people let their hair down after what they've been through. I thought it was brilliant and I loved it. Can I just tell no, this is a, no, this, had your no, segment, this, no Jack. This, this is an exclusive. And I need to say <laughs> this about here. And I know Mitch is winding us up here at the moment. But... Jack, can you tell everybody who gave you the idea about this Mr. Brightside on no, preliminary final morning the next morning? Who put the idea in your head to do this? Hey, be honest. No, oh, no. no, no, no. I don't like be, where this is going. Now, I've got text messages I've never deleted. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I have well. not seen any royalty. I'm going to tell you right now, Tim. I'm oh, the one no. that put this bloke up to this. Oh, no. And can I change my top five? This is God's honest truth. What were you going to do about your top five, Jack? Anyway, I've spoiled oh, your man because go, that yeah. was fraudulent. No, I'll go my top five. And I've gone with the Richmond Bay, uh, Richmond theme. Ah, uh, yes. Three grand finals to pick from, so why wouldn't I? Uh, number five, <laughs> Dan Butler kicked a goal late in the third quarter. Uh, no, sorry, late in the last quarter in 2017. We practiced that kick all year, and he'd never kicked one. Little check side, and that was when they panned to Peggy and Brendan in the grandstand there and the tears started flowing. Number four, Jacob Townsend's tackle on Matty Crouch. Absolutely buried him. And we had to wait, well, we had to wait five years for the uh, the earthquake and the tremors to, to come from that tackle, which we <laughs> which you copped here in Melbourne three days ago. Still happening now. Uh, number three, Cochin's goal in the 2019 grand final and the celebration that came from that. The game was well and truly done, but... It's an iconic moment and an iconic photo in Richmond history. Number two, Dusty last year, 2020, 
we needed him. Uh, we needed the break glass in case of emergency, and he arrived with what was just an absolute Dustin Martin goal off. before half time. Shrugged a few, hooked it over the over the top, and then uh, went on to uh, obviously win his third. Norm Smith and number one, um, I I forgot about Mr. Brightside when I was doing mine. Oh, come on now, <laughs> can you believe it? Never reaching. saw any royalties. <laughs> hey, you're not getting any either because I'm not well, getting any. number one. Kicking my fifth, 2019. Just a just Whoa. a feeling of adulation that just watching it slide back in nicely, just curved in off the left post there. It's probably the longest kick I've ever done, but it went through and just standing there, <laughs> arms up, then hugged by your teammates. There is no better feeling. So there you go, boys. The top no. five grand final moments. And hopefully we can add some massive grand final moments this, well, tomorrow, this Saturday. It's very, very exciting. This is Jack and Paney on SEN. Got more coming up next. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Now it's time to talk other sport. We've got Flash here. We've had him for a little while now, but we want to talk other sport. Um, we do, Jack. We do. But before we do, we do want to take it back a step because oh. we've got Mr. Brightside. The conversation <laughs> was headed somewhere uh, where Flash was basically taking credit for it. Now, we, what we want to do is for you to go back through your text I've messages. I've been scrolling. I've been scrolling. And What'd either confirm or deny that David here... It was his idea. Do you want a transcript? That's what he's claiming. I've got, I've got the text here. It didn't take long to scroll back there. There hasn't been many right. texts sent between me and Flash, but <laughs> here we go. I won't read out some of the expletives in there because there was a couple. Just realise one thing. This is Flash. If the day right. of beauty comes to fruition, you will be sneaking into the killer set for 15 minutes with me. No excuses. Ha, ha, ha. Go Tigers. To which we, I, I replied, I love the killers. No, well, that's there's a couple of expletives. Yeah, in I've there, taken those. So out. I will give you that credit. Yeah. And then Flash has written four text messages in a row, so fairly desperate, Paney. Mate, yeah. I'm serious. Picture being premiers, building out Mr. Brightside. Dear God. Ah, right. Good. You found that one. Can well, can we take it back a step? You you've tried to insert yourself on the Richmond Premiership party. Yeah. You've put yourself well, no. in the mix. Throw yourself respect. in the forward line with Jack. I, said, I want to wear the medal with you as well next. I didn't want to wear the medal. <laughs> I wanted to be in the mosh pit, the front row of the killers. And if I had a way to get in, it was this bloke that was going to get me in. Yeah. So I wrote so, back. So, hang on. I wrote back, I'm getting on stage. So I've established that I will be getting on stage yeah, and singing. That's you, fair. You haven't done anything, David. Okay. So I'll go back to the previous message, Tim. If you've just got that there in front of me, I will take out... A, the expletives, which said, mate, I am something serious. Picture being the premiers and belting out expletives to Mr. Brightside. Dear yep. heavenly figure above. I, I said, that is, I, that's, I, the, that's the important point that you missed there. So don't try and weasel out of this. Am I going to hit you up for royalties? Well, I'm just going to talk to a couple of people afterwards. Right, yeah. right. I've got the text now. Yeah, I can go okay. through it. Okay, okay. Boys, other news at you the moment. Sneaking me, <laughs> right? <laughs> me. Yeah, exactly. He just weaselled his way in. Uh, other news, boys. Optus Stadium CEO Mike McKenna. Well, we we put this one on the agenda. He's the CEO of Optus Stadium. He's cast out over the fifth Ashes Test being held in Perth. His little grab. As far as we know, it's playing played as scheduled. Um, but I think that the COVID situation even now would. Um, make you question that scheduling. And I think 
uh, things, you know, the direction they're going in, it's going to be very difficult for, for Cricket Australia to try and find a, a program that's going to work um, easily. Um, so they, they're no doubt thinking about that right now. Um, but you know, right at the moment, you would not, this yeah. would not be possible to bring a team from uh, New South Wales who played the Sydney Test to Perth. It, it just would not happen. So um, you know, the way things are going. So I think this thing's change. Um, I think Cricket Australia is going to spend some time having to look at that. Well, Mike, uh, let me put it to Whack. you. There, there is there is a clear way to Thanks, do it. Thanks, Mike. And it is called yep. straight through the Apple Isle, the fourth test uh, being put on the Apple Isle. And, and Mike McKenna there, Paney and Flash, has literally told us what we all knew is that you won't, yes. won't be coming from New South Wales, will they? No, we, well, we did just discuss this weeks ago on the Jack and Paney show, didn't we? Another we've, thing. We've tried to flag this with higher authorities. We brought it up with the Premier. We brought it up with Cricket Australia. Um. We know, Jack, that the easy way through this is to, to throw one of these test matches down to Blunston Arena yep. and then we'll go to Perth. But it, it wasn't popular with the uh, the Sydney media, I must admit. I copped a little bit of flack after it last time. Really? Um, so, Flash, I'll throw it over to you and you can dive a little deeper into it. Well, in all seriousness, we can talk about this with some clarity. and We understand the situation in WA the last couple of years with COVID has been pretty serious and he doesn't muck around. That's very clear. The, this is the only obvious option now. Tasmania, we and look, we don't we don't forget how lucky we are being COVID free and all those things luxuries, yep. Tim. We get with that, which Jack and you know the one nice thing I'll say about you. We know how tough it is. Well, this is the clean living state where you can make it happen. There's mm. got to be a Test match this summer. There has to be. Yep. Yep. But to... I, I don't think there will be. I really, really don't. No, well, after it was raised last time, it was it it was yeah the. They didn't like it. Tony, and and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what will happen. Exactly what will happen. They'll bypass Tassie, like they always do, and we'll play two tests in Sydney, or we'll play two tests in Perth. You can't play tests in Sydney. Do. Surely. No, well... They'll play Payne, two. Payne, be a little bit Mate, more upbeat. That's right. Get we, up him a we, bit. We, put, skip we him, put the footy on the agenda with the Premier. We yep. said, what are the chances? Oh, well, I don't agree ha- with it. Hit the hammer on the I head. I absolutely do not agree with it, but I can see it a mile away. Been here too many times. How many mm. test matches has Tassie got in the last 10 years? Not many. Not many. It, it makes absolute sense to move one here oh, of course if it does. possible. And it's certainly possible. Um, the facilities are now certainly up to standard. The state is COVID-free at the moment and hopefully will be for... The wickets are good. Wickets are terrific. Yep. Um, we, we can definitely do it, but... I have my doubts. As I said, I, I think they'd prefer to play two games. It's easier for the broadcasters to either have two games in um, Sydney or two games in Perth. Ooh. Can you imagine it, Jack? Yeah. Hobart, Ashes, in terms of uniting Tasmania, people have suggested previously that the crowds have been disappointing with tests here, and there's been some truth in that, I think, but this is one that the troops would rally. Oh, absolutely. Every corner from absolutely. Bernie, Devonport, Launceston, Hobart. Yeah. Magnificent. Paini, Throwing can there you the s- new taste of Taz. Yeah, exactly. We need to make this happen, Jack. We need Paini, to take this up to another level. Can you a little sort of ulterior motive here for David? I'm thinking live Jack and Flash with you obviously playing. You won't be doing the show for, the, for those weeks. Live Jack and mm. Flash from Blunston Arena. How good would it be? Oh, look out, look out. As long as you Nut- give us a little bit along the way. <laughs> Why not? I'll be going through the stump mics. They normally turn them up pretty loud. I'll just talk directly to you. Yeah, have yeah. an open line. Yeah. Another one that's come up in the cricket world and the, the political world as well is Boris Johnson's asked ScoMo to just loosen the quarantine restrictions for the English cricket team. Yep. 
<clears throat> Wowee, this year, it, it, it's nearly Ashes 5 nip, zip, zip for mine because the mental state of these English cricketers at the moment is at an all-time low. Pony, your thoughts? Yeah, I think it, that it, that might be the case if you believe some of the media have spoken about. We spoke about Michael Vaughan brought it up. I think there was another writer last week who brought it up again. But again, Jack, remember two weeks ago I said, at this stage I have not heard an English player mm-hmm. come out and say that I... they will not come to the Ashes. Well, I just Stuart haven't Broad heard it. Sort of and didn't say that. On the he, contrary, the yeah. last week I've actually heard two players now. Yeah. Stuart Broad being one of them, who I imagine's immensely, um, he holds a lot of weight in that group. I'd imagine he's a legend of their team. Um, and the other one last night was Dan Lawrence, who's been batting in the middle order. Who both of them said they would jump at the chance to come and play in Ashes in England in the current state. They know that they're going to have to do some quarantine potentially, as we said, though. Big ScoMo and Boris are having conversations. So the conversation's being had at the very top. It, it's above Cricket Australia. It's above the ECB. It's certainly above players. Those decisions will be made, being made, and, and you're just going to have to deal with it. But as we said last week when I came on the show, the England team will have to do nothing different than, than what they're asking the Australian team to do. Ah, uh, yes. Interesting. Interesting. Just imagine having a chat to old Boris with that crop he's got. Uh, local footy flash. Uh, grand finals have been won and done. Well, done and won. Have you got any little little snippets of local footy news for us? Look, the big one down here, um, Jack, is Jeremy Webberley. We've talked about his, obviously, not demise, his exit from Clarence. Yep. certainly wasn't demise. It was very, very amicable. Um, Clarence had a good year, didn't they? Brought in some good kids. Yep. Well, he's taken the reins with Tassie, with the Devils, and takes over from Cameron Joyce, who, of course, went... Up north early in the year, I think he's a good appointment. I mean, you know Jezza pretty well. What yeah. does he bring to the to the kids? Yeah, well, I think that's probably been the highlight of his coaching at Clarence. Yeah. I think Clarence has been a hugely successful club for a number of years. And if you looked at Jez's tenure there, they haven't won the premierships. But I think what they've been able to do is probably reset the club a little bit. And from all reports, they've got juniors coming through again from under 10s right through to their under well their senior team really. So still a really young team. So what I've heard is he is a great de- developer of young players. He's done a great job of that at Clarence. It's been recognised at AFL Tasmania. He now gets a chance to try and develop his coaching career and um, and move through the ranks. So I think it's great that someone from the TSL and someone from our local competition has been promoted into a role that's really important in Tasmania, and we hope he does a good job. Big appointment there. Wish for, him well. Yeah, big appointment there for Tasmanian footy. And Flash, you want to put racing on the agenda. What have you got for us? you got any little sneakies? No, I do. Um, spring heating up, of course, in Melbourne and Sydney, for that matter. It's such a different thing than what it used to be. It used to be just Melbourne this time of the year. Well, it's certainly not. Tassie's two best horses, probably outside of Mystic Journey, um, they make their way to, to Sandown uh, on Saturday. Craig knew it with both rides. Of course, we're talking about Newhart, who won all the big white for age big races frog. during the summer, and DeRoche, who's the gun sprinter, a star, and for the first time... When I say a star at this level in Tasmania and dominated, won 11 from 18. That'll have its first start in Melbourne uh, on Saturday as well. Froggy knew it. I'd love to get Froggy, Jack, on the show in the next couple of weeks. I've got a feeling he's got a Group 1 in him. What, this this spring you reckon Group 1? Well, I think so. He's in good nick. Um, He's riding light. Um, He's still getting... A lot of rides for price, etc. But look, watch out for those two. Newhart in particular at a bit of a price, I think can start really well first up, probably going towards the Turak, something like that. Very just, good. Just on that, you mentioned the Spring Carnival. Jack, do we know you're obviously in Melbourne. If we are open, have we got any connections with SEN that we can maybe sneak into the birdcage at some stage? I mean, obviously the two of us, we don't need three tickets. I mean, Flash would be 
collateral if we had to just have the two that's okay one day you might be humble <laughs> in your life Tim but with what do you reckon Jack can we make it work I've heard that uh, I've heard that uh, well Flash would call him Hutchie uh, has got yep. the big Taj Mahal over here when well, when things are uh, really? all COVID free so there's a big push that's to get people back at the races over here um, I'm more worried oh. at actually getting people back to work and getting us back to some sort of normality but no doubt when the time comes we'll come knocking and Hutchie will put us in the big Big Mahal, Taj Mahal in the birdcage. Beautiful. Boys, another good show. Um, good stuff. Great chat. Big show. Very, very exciting. Um, well, we just continue to continue to get the big guests, don't we, Pony? Oh, well, staggering. we do. And that re- revelation from the Killers gig the other year was a highlight of mine. I'm glad that... <laughs> The whole of Australia now knows, Tim, which is important to yeah, me. I know it is. You've been have been banging on about it behind well, the scenes for a while. for good reason, in fairness. But for me, David, if we're going through highlights, I don't think you can go past Alistair Clarkson. Wonderful, Clarkson's wasn't he? Yeah, very Terrific good. interview. Great to have him on. And potentially, he left that no, sort of pie in the sky, didn't he? To Can he coach Tasmania or would he if it was available and he was ready? I think he was... He was pretty warm on he the He convinced idea. me, Jack. Yeah, he, he absolutely convinced, me, convinced, convinced me. me. Well, boys, we'll be back next Friday from 7 a.m. Enjoy the grand final. Enjoy the grand final at night. And enjoy the call here on SEN and on the SEN app right around Australia. Next up, it's Kane Corns for the final captain's run. Still can't figure out why they call it the captain's run with Kane Corns, but you're tuned um. in to Jack and Paney right here on SEN.